Are you feeling overwhelmed, anxious about all of the uncertainty, and yet you're still working overtime to be a good role model and have a positive impact on the world, starting with your organization? Yes, you are in the right place. Before we get into today's episode, welcome to the Getting Unstuck with Meredith Moore podcast. I'm leadership coach, communications expert, and author of Getting Unstuck, a guide to moving your career forward. I'm here to teach you how to overcome mental burnout and imposter syndrome so you can have a greater impact at work. In each episode, I shine a spotlight on the mentors, advice, and proven strategies to teach you how to build your brand based on your unique qualities and strengths. Tune in as I share the lessons learned from making an impact inside and outside of corporate America. Welcome to Getting Unstuck with Meredith Moore. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, this is pretty exciting. You are going to get a chance to talk to Makisha Nation. She is executive director for Teach for America Twin Cities, and we've had the chance to work together both as a coaching client and with her communications to help her maximize her productivity as she advocates for all. So that is so many of us right now. If you are feeling stuck, overwhelmed, doing a job that is important, it's critical, and therefore maybe you're spending more time than you'd like to be. Maybe you are also balancing motherhood, being a parent as a part of this. Our team supported Makisha's leadership team uh, when they were hosting retreats and year-long leadership development programs. She is a huge advocate of developing her team and we're going to have a chance to talk to her about how you incorporate that mentoring others and making space for their development and how that affects her ability to create space in her life. Now, we've worked together also on her personal branding, and she recently had a huge TV appearance uh, with Small Business Revolution, where she was able to provide insights. So she participated in our Emerging Thought, Leading, Thought Leader program last year, right at the beginning of COVID-19. And so I'm going to ask her about what it's been like working with me and what her advice is for someone else who is considering not only getting support, but if some of you listening are considering working with me, you are going to hear from somebody who can explain all of the questions. So are you ready to get unstuck with Makisha Nation? Here we go. Welcome, Makisha Nation. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you today, Meredith. I mean, this is a, it's a great way to spend the time. And I'm so excited for the audience to get to hear from you. So we have a tradition. Everybody gets to start with a story of a time when you felt stuck and how you got unstuck. So will you help us keep the tradition going? Sure. Um, so I think um, this was probably about 18 months ago. So I'd been on my team for almost two years, um, helping Teach for America, which is where I serve as the executive director, really set a vision for the future for our work. But I was operating from a leadership perspective of like all in, doing all the things all the time, all the time at home, all the time at work, all the time with my team in a way that really didn't allow me to like have the time to think creatively, have the time to like really get in touch with my, my own grounding as a leader. And I think it left a lot on the table. It left a lot on the table for my team in terms of living into their own capabilities and potential. 
I think it left a lot on the table for my family in terms of what's the optimal environment they need and the support they need for the things that they were doing. And so I feel like you and I connected at that time to start our coaching journey together. And one thing I remember you saying to me is that um, it's not a matter of like, if you can't do the things that people are asking you to do or the things that you're taking on, but is it actually feasible? Is it realistic? Um, and I remember that was the first time I ever said to myself, like, should I actually be taking on this particular body of work that I'm leading? Should I actually be stepping in to take over this particular initiative? You know, um, all things that look like they're good for me might not be meant for me, right? And, and it really created this opportunity for me to create space to ask those questions. And then through our, you know, our discipline and our practice and our coaching conversations really creating an, another possibility for what my leadership could look like and what that would mean for my family, for my physical and mental health and what it would mean for my team. And so when you get stuck, sometimes it's isolating. Sometimes it's really difficult. And I always appreciate Meredith, how your coaching helped me understand like, um, I'm not alone in this. This is something that a lot of people go through, especially women in senior leadership positions that are also women of color with families there are a lot of things that are competing for our time, our attention, our needs. And this idea of putting yourself first is not a selfish thought, right? It's actually self-preservation. It's necessary. Yes. So to me, that was the power of realizing that I was stuck and working in a way that had been proven, had proven to be successful up until the point that it wasn't. Yeah. And, you know what to do. And our coaching really helped me start to explore that for myself. I love that. But that's so often the question that I get is that people will say, well, how, how do you do it? You know, like I get it. I get that I'm stuck, you know, like you were experiencing. I, I understand what I'm experiencing is less than ideal, but how do I improve it? How am I actually going to change these things? And I think sometimes it's intimidating because you think it's such a, a long distance from here to there. And if you can have a role model, if you can have somebody who is like right there, if you can have a community that can support you with like, hey, that's a really big deal. Like they understand it's a big deal. You got your kids somewhere on time and you got your work done and you went to sleep and maybe you did something for yourself. Like, oh my God, you did yes. everything today. So I love all of that. I love all of it so much. I have a question for you on that note because you also are a mom. Mm -hmm. So tell us about how that is and balancing everything else that you have going on and being so involved in education. And for our listeners who are not familiar, when we say that Makisha, that we're in the Twin Cities, <laughs> the Twin Cities, it's, it's honestly, it's hard for me not to laugh because, you know, I've been doing this, I, I grew up here. And so I remember in sixth grade, <laughs> Breck finally got a multicultural director. And it was one, she was one of four black teachers in the whole school. So like that's, that's the level of black people in leadership and education that I grew up with here. Um, and it's unfortunate that 20 years later, it hasn't moved much. Mm -hmm. And in my case, you saw them get stuck in their careers. You know, you got, you saw them get, get stuck in other ways, but when I look back on a Makisha, most of them were not also parents. So for you navigating, hearing these statistics, advocating on behalf of education equity with Teach for America, and then also being a parent, 
how do you decide where you're going to get engaged and where it's just going to get you stuck? It's one of those interesting things because in my work every day at Teach for America, you know, our, our, you know, vision is that one day all students will have access to an excellent education. And I know in Minnesota, that is not the case right now. We are last, if not second to last for on-time high school graduation for Black, Latinx, and Native American students. And I think people hear that statistic and they hear statistics around teacher diversity, only 3% teachers of color in the state. Um, 3%, hold on, Makisha. Yeah, yeah. 3% teachers of color yes i mean that's <laughs> yes and and i think the thing about that is um there's so much incredible opportunities for us to do things differently and i think you know that's one of the reasons why we hosted dr abram kendi um teacher american educators for excellence did in february for this idea of like how can we become anti-racist educators and advocate for use it can't just be on the backs of teachers of color, Latinx teachers, Native American teachers to see our education achievement gap close. It's actually something that everyone has to prioritize and really understand the cultural factors that are at play with that, how racism is influencing our society and how that shows up in terms of the mindsets of all educators. And to really look at it, not just as a um, racism is a noun, but it's actually a verb. It's things that people are choosing to do or not do policies that we have in place that we need to change or shift to create a more equitable education system for our young people. And I think for me personally, as a parent, um, it is hard to, um, to not wanna be all in all the time. And I have to figure out like, what role can I play in a particular um, opportunity for my child? So I think back to you know, my experiences and I was like, you know, as soon as I get in the school system, I, I wanna be an active parent so that folks know, because for all intents and purposes, whether we like it or not, people make assumptions about Black parents' yeah. education system all the time. How you're dressed, how you speak, everything is seen through a microscope and a lens. You know, me showing up, how I look today, because I have a presentation and an interview, versus if I come from the gym, I could get a completely different reception at a school. Yeah. And that is, that's not fair to me as a mom. It's not fair to me as like someone who's just trying to make the best of my child's ex educational experience, but I've seen and experienced that. And I know that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. So it was important to be active. Um, and so for my first child, I was a room rep mom, but I like try to do it on my terms. I work a job that's like 50 to 60 hours a week. Mm -hmm. Be the room rep mom that sends out the volunteer opportunities, right? I can't take on more than I'm situated to do. And a lot of times when you're a person of color, you've already been operating with exceptionalism in so many aspects of your life. And folks will ask you to do more than you're doing or more than you can do because of all the other things that you're holding. And I think it really took me being reflective to say like, this is the role that I can play. Mm -hmm. If there's a talent or skill or expertise that I have that you wanna see used in another way, I'm, I'm open to like show you how to use Canva, design stuff, um, work with you to build that skill and capacity, but I can't be put in a position where I start to deplete my energy because I'm being overutilized in ways that are not effective for me as a leader or effective for me as a parent. Well, and I mean, it's a cycle, right? Because this is what I try to explain to people. So, I mean, you just said it so beautifully. So we can't go to work. We can't go to school to go drop kids off looking crazy right like that's just it's not a it's not a luxury that we have 
you can't not respond to things or be late for things because there's a natural bias that we're not engaged in their education, that we're absentee parents, that we're not present, that we're not. And so at least I can speak for myself when I first started doing it, especially being in Minnesota where I'm the only black parent, at least that's that's born in the US, you know? And so then there's an added feeling of like, well, now I really gotta show up because I'm the only one. So I really don't want their only example that they have to also be me. And now you have these extraordinarily high bars at work and at home. And it's like, so then where do you get a break? So for yourself, when you think about all of these roles that you have, talk to us about what, what is a day in a life and where do you find just like a joy in, in all of this very heaviness? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of times I try to think about what's the tension that I'm experiencing and is there a third way, you know? So, Ooh. you know, this notion, this dichotomy of like, either you're the absentee black parent or you're the angry black woman that's mad about something that happened to your child that was probably blatantly racist at the school, right? So then I think about, is there a third way for me to show up that I get to define for myself that doesn't put me at the end of that dichotomy? And I think I try to do that even when it comes to like this idea of, of balance or blending your life, you know? Um, I, you know, when I first started working with you, Meredith, one of the things I said is like, I felt like my day ran me or my organization ran me, even though I'm the executive director. And it's really easy to kind of feel like there's always more things coming. I have to be on top of it. And I'm like, but the opposite of that isn't that I'm a failure or that I don't have it together, right? There's a third way to think about this. And part of it was centering on myself. Like, so now when I start my day, a practice that I've built through our coaching was setting intentions, like just feeling my body, just waking up and like getting present to what's going on, um, not picking up my phone to check email right away as the first thing in the day, like, you know, leveraging the Calm app. I'm, I'm one of these people that like my schedule shows my values and those little things that I do each and every day creates momentum for the bigger change that I want. So I had to disrupt things at that level of like, what are the things that I'm now making automatic that weren't before. And so that means a meditative practice in the morning where I listen to a meditation. It's right, my phone is right there. I don't touch the email app, I touch the calm app. I do the 10 minute meditation reflection. Sometimes when it's something that really hits me, Instagram, you know, like even though it's like not something I'm doing for others, it just like reminds me and I'll see that later and remember, oh yeah, I did feel really good this morning. I said my attention today. And so it brings me back at another point in the day when I might pick up social media for distraction and I see that post. Um, so those, those things help me. Or if I start to feel like angry or upset about something or frustrated before I like try to decide something or, or point to a person, I'm like, why do I actually feel this way? So there's some tips and tools that you can build through coaching practices that really start to become automatic for you in ways that you didn't even fully recognize the power that it might've had until you start developing that discipline and that habit around it. And I feel like that's been really helpful for me. And it also impacts my kids. Like one of the things you and I, Meredith, talked about all the time was like how the day starts with your family. Sets yeah. If you're rushing, yelling, you know, and I, I'm gonna say I was all those things. <laughs> yeah, same. Mornings were hectic. Yeah. Food here, like, do you have your stuff for soccer? Like, and so I kind of had to just come back and say, how am I showing up that creates to that creates like that sense of chaos or urgency and 
what can I do? Like, let's talk about what you want to wear the night before. Since you have such opinions about your clothing right now, I'm about to be late for work. <laughs> so I feel like those little things have really helped. Um, and then day for me is like, you know, managing the kids, getting them out the house or distance learning during COVID, you know, working, you know, what could be eight hours or 10 hours for the day. And like trying to make sure that I'm still carving out that time for exercise, for my husband, for the kids. It's a juggle and a struggle sometimes, for sure. Oh, I mean, it's the, it's the whole thing. I appreciate you for saying uh, during COVID, because I feel like that's a thing people are hitting right now, is that this is a year. It's starting to feel like, what, what did I do before for fun? What did I do before for balance? So you know, I know we started coaching before COVID-19. We started the group coaching program right at the beginning of COVID-19. So if somebody is listening and they are considering getting a coach, working one-on-one -on -one with a coach or doing one of the group programs, what's your advice about when you would deploy each of those tools and, and any considerations for people who are kind of thinking, is this an investment? And I'll say, just as context, one of the things that we hear a lot of is that a, a lot of, uh, particularly women of color, we don't even know this is as a resource or how to advocate for it. So in your organization too, you know, where does this fall? You know, when did this become an opportunity for you? I think, you know, um, anytime you're taking on a new leadership role or you're thinking about the work that you need to do, or you're thinking about like, um, the next stage of your strategy or your team, I think it's a great time to advocate for the coaching and support to do that. Um, I don't think you always have to wait for something to be wrong or something to be a challenge to bring it up. And I think sometimes organizations have a way that they can bring coaching up to you and it feels like, you know, am I not performing? Is this like something to help me be a better executive, but it's like out of your concern. And I think like, I would ask folks to like, However it comes up, if someone brings it up to you, like don't hold on to that. Like hold on to it as an opportunity around the how. And I think that's one of the things you just brought up in our conversations earlier. When I was stuck, I could ask people for help or support that you know might be in my organization on like technical things, but it wasn't really a technical solution that I needed. I really needed to reframe my mindset around what it was required for me to be a leader with all the things I was holding and I think because of that, it was important for me to realize um, I needed to like dedicate the time for the learning journey that that was going to be required for that and recognize it was not something I could do on my own. And then it was important for me to find a coach who could like intuitively understand the multiple hats that I was wearing. I think a lot of times you can find a coach and they're great, but they might not have children. Um, they might not share the same um, racial identity as you. And you have to understand like, um, that could potentially like create a zone of where they might not be able to reach you as fully. So I think when, you know, you and I connected Meredith, I was like, wow, you'd already written this book about getting unstuck. I had that feeling at several points in my career. And I was like, gosh, you're going to understand some of the things that I might like be able to like skate by, by not touching with another coach. <laughs> that accountability. I was like, where does not going to let me get away with like, ignoring this issue over here and I wanted that and I realized how important that was for me I love it because you don't often get a chance with your clients to be able to laugh about like we you everybody has to break through some stuff that you're just like 
I can share with my own, you know, I have an incredible coach, Valerie Burton, who I, uh, who's wonderful. And <laughs> Valerie will get me so bad that I'll be like, I should have just canceled this whole call. I don't even know why I played myself. <laughs> or the time I give you an answer to something and you're like, is that the real answer? And I'm like, that's the answer I gave you. So you would move on from this question. <laughs> but it's good because it does force me to say, why do I have a roadblock here? Why don't I want to talk? Right. And I think too, to your point, like there's something about having a fellow black woman be like, now you and I both know that's not real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you gotta be like, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yes. <laughs> I had the best thing, I have to say, uh, you know, I had this, it was an it was an item I was going to mail and it was on my to-do list for three months. Mm-hmm. I feel like somebody should gasp somewhere because I'm such a productivity. Like I get through my top three, I get through it. So the same thing was on my list for three months. So when I came back to working with Valerie, I'm like, this is draining me. I don't know when I'm going to do it. I think I might be having anxiety about leaving the house now because it's the post office. So now I'm like doing all these things in my head because I have very high anxiety. So if I Mm -hmm. sit with the problem for too long, I will make it a thousand times bigger. So Valerie was just very quick with it and was like, who told you you had to mail this thing? And I was like, uh, <laughs> I guess I, I guess I, no, I definitely made this up. And she was like, yeah, so then let it go. Like, just let it go. And I think there's something that we can do as black women to give each other grace of like, hey man, sometimes I have more bandwidth so I can cover it. Sometimes I can see you need some space so I can, you know, there's something, there's a way that we can understand each other. Whereas for me, when I was assigned a coach, and I remember one day this woman told me, you really shouldn't have done that. And I was like, well, nobody asked you. So. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, or I, I think the children piece, you know, is, is people are weird about that in the professional work environment. And I've worked in, you know, um, you know, nonprofit, I work for Target Corporation, I work for the federal government, I've worked in higher education at Dartmouth. And, you know, through some of those places, I didn't have children, others I did. And there's this notion of like, I don't want my children to interrupt my career, or I don't want to make it seem like I'm making an excuse. But the reality is what COVID shows us is like, everybody has something that they have to figure out how to navigate. And I think at the end of the day, like your employees want to feel valued, and they want to feel seen. And they're trying to do the best they can to blend those things. Like, you know, I think a lot of times before I would like apologize that I can't take a meeting that's late because I have to pick my kids up from daycare. But the notion is like, I'm putting in the work, right? And so I think the more we get honest about that, like the better we can have a more inclusive workplace for everyone. And you know, I'm struck by, I think it was a statistic you showed me that like, you know, 75% of people have left the workforce were women one of the quarters when we looked at some of the jobless rates. And I'm like, part of that is happening because people aren't like willing to have that honest conversation about what do you want to do? What brings you passion? How is your job supporting that? But how are we also getting in the way? And I feel like we need to encourage more women, more people of color, more women of color, particularly to like really think about what those issues are that are hindering them because they're probably hindering other coworkers as well where we're not having an honest conversation about it. And if I can say, because one of my, one of my best mentors, Kim Price, that was her advice. 
always start with and you never need to start with but so for somebody listening always start with and and you know one of the other things i would say is that so often for somebody listening who's a leader in the organization you know you're getting these opportunities you're balancing all of these different roles including something like parenting you know, one of the things is that uh, education is a barrier a lot of times. People in a couple of different ways, right? People don't know a different way of doing things. Mm -hmm. There's not somebody that they trust that they're giving access for somebody to even say, hey, here's how you could improve this or, or here's how you could say it. So we don't have trust in the workplace. When you talk about people having high issues of, of not feeling belonging, if I don't feel like I belong, I'm not gonna tell you that, you know, I don't really understand what it is you asked me to do. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was doing uh, intercultural uh, development with McDonald's and we would go to Asia <laughs> and these, these senior executives, it was always white men who would be like, they're all happy, it's wonderful, everything is great. And what we would find as a trend is that it was a translation difference right in american culture the squeaky wheel gets the oil right that's our whole thing in in asian culture that is not the thing i'm i'm i it is my responsibility to figure it out not to bother the authority with questions but if we don't have that like understanding right that maybe the reason why i'm not doing more is because i don't understand what it would take for me to do more right People get stuck just in that. I want to be the manager. I don't know what it takes. Maybe it's a different degree. Maybe it's a, but I don't even understand what it would take to unlock that. And if we are put ourselves in a position to build trust in organizations, I think that people are more comfortable saying, <laughs> hey, I'd like help in this, right? Like I could use some advice. Yeah, and I, I think for me in the pandemic, even with my work with, with Teach for America, I think I started to realize that, you know, there was a lot of change happening. And so folks will say, you know, distance learning to in-person learning to supporting our teachers with that. We have over 850 alums that are here mostly working in low-income communities or in education. And people would say, you're moving at the speed of change. But the reality is you can really only move at the speed of trust. Like, what do people trust you? What does your team trust you to, to share with them? You know, when you have to meet, move and shift things. And I think it, it was important for me in those moments to be vulnerable about what it takes to do this work. And I think the other thing that's important for a black woman, at least I know I felt this sense of like, I have to keep it all together. I can't make it seem like I can't handle stuff. But I also had to think about now that I'm like on the other side of 40, getting closer to 50 than I am to 30, like people also see me as a role model. So yeah. it yeah. looks like it's impossible. I can't be Makisha because like there's no human like that. I, I, I don't want to be setting somebody up for the same pitfalls I fell into. So like it required me to be like, this is hard. I did not sleep. My kids are having a difficult time with distance learning. I'm getting support and help because I think it's important for them to start to build other set of skills. I, I don't know how to help my kids build skills for anxiety that they might be having because of COVID and, you know, being on the computer all day when that's not how they would choose to learn. Yeah. Like we have to normalize some of those things so that when there's other folks coming up the ranks behind us in leadership that look like us. They don't feel like they have to create this veneer of like, I have it all together. I don't need anyone to help me. You might need a coach. 
you might need to get your child into counseling. You might need to, you know, to contract for services at your home because you can't be the housekeeper, the chef, doing the laundry. It's like you might have to figure out a, a third way to get things done in a way that helps you feel whole and your family feel whole at the same time. Thank you for listening to the Getting Unstuck with Meredith Moore podcast. I'm your host, executive coach, and communications partner, Meredith Moore. For more resources or to get the steps to putting your career plan into action, visit gettingunstuckguide.com. There you can connect with me for weekly Monday motivations and send me your questions for the next episode dropping on Monday. Thank you. And remember, I'm here to help.